Okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf Samach Dalad. Today's shir is for Rafur Shleimo of Gershom Ruvain Ben Liora, Chalachai Kabas Baba Michla, and Michla and Yitzchak Yoda Ben Miriam. May they have a complete and speedy recovery. Um, okay, I think let's go from, it's about the ninth, tenth last line of Samach Gimel Amud Bay 63b. Um, we're carrying on for a few lines about the importance of the mitzvah of Pruravu. So this Joshua we actually saw earlier on in the daf. But he says, Ben David Ben David Mashiach won't come until all the neshamas in the guf are finished. Remember, we said Hashem created a chamber where He put all the neshamas in, and He um, every time a person is born, He gives them a neshama from the guf, from that chamber, and when they're finished, then there will be. Then Mashiach will come. Shneimar, as it says, Kinoach Kirach Milfonai Atoy Fenishmos Ani Asisi. Tanya Rebbe Eliezer Omer Komisha Ein Oisek Beperi Aviru Kilo Shayfet Damim. Someone who does not um, busy himself, Oisek uh, kind of like a tradesman, but get involved with um, Peri Aviruvia. It's as if he murders. As the Shneimar, as the pasuk says, Shayfet Tamo Adam Ba Adam Damo Yishbach. Someone who kills. A man, he will be put to death by man. Uksiv basran, that following pasuk is by a temporuvu, and you shall pruvu um, have children. What do um, so? So what's the drasha? Is um, I if you at first it speaks about murder. I if you murder, and it says therefore and therefore you shall pruvu. I include if you don't pruvu, it's as if you. Murdered. Rabbi Yaakov, Oimer Keilu Mamat Hadmus, it says if he, uh, I don't know if he, uh, yeah, it says if he diminishes Hashem's uh, form, Hashem's image. In Emar it says, Kibetzele Melokim Osa Esadom. It's the beginning, it's the, it's the rest of that pasuk, but it says, in the image of Hashem, he made man, Uksiv Basrei, Batempuruvu, and you have children. I, this that he made man in his image, if you don't have children, you're diminishing that. So he says, but um, he says Ben Azai Oimer Ben Azai says Ki ilu shoifek damim uamat admus. It says if you did both, you decreased the image of Hashem and you were um, and you and murdered, as it says vatem pruravu pruravu. And that's because um, the, the whole pasuk is as follows: shoifek dom ha adam ba adam damoy shabbat ki betzelem elokim osoyes adam. And then the next pasuk vatem. And you, so to counter that pruravu, and have children. So we see children, um, children expands Hashem's demus, his form, his image. I guess we do say every person is created in the, excuse me, in the image of God. So there's more godliness. Maybe you can say there's more godliness in the world the more people there are. I don't know if, if maybe that's the drosha. Um, but and it's also um, to counter being liable for murder. So now with this in mind, Ben Azai, they, they, they had an issue with Ben Azai saying this because, as will come out, but Ben Azai didn't get married. We'll see his reasoning now, but he didn't get married. So they're going to criticize him. Oh, you're speaking about the greatness of Puravu, and it says if you murdered, it says if you uh, limit the the Dumus uh, of Hashem, and yet you didn't get involved in it. So Omar Loi Ben Azai. They said to Ben Azai, those who expound beautiful droshes and they practice 
beautiful in a beautiful way. They're those who practice in a beautiful way, but they don't necessarily expound beautiful joshes. But you, you expound beautifully, but you don't practice. I, uh, what's it? Practice what you preach. says, But I says, what can I do? It sounds like, I understood it. He says, I'm out of, I can't. He says, My whole, my whole being just uh, desires Torah. And it is possible for the world to be inhabited through other people's efforts. So he was saying his his desire for Torah, someone who said that even physically he just didn't have, he was so caught, he, he loved Torah and was so caught up in Torah that he actually physically um, was just un, unable to, unable to, uh, to uh, have children, to be intimate with a woman and therefore he didn't get married. Um, that's definitely not uh, norm. I wouldn't uh, encourage many people to take that line of thinking. But Ben Azai was uh, was in a league of his own. Hey, Tanya Idich, another Bryce, uh, basically the same uh, discussion, just in a slightly different form. Anyone who does not, as if he murders. And it brings the pasuk, and then it brings the pasuk says because um, if you murder, uh, and someone who murders man will be put to death by man, but you must have children. Rabbi Eliezer ben Azari Omer ki ilu tadmus, and ben Azari Omer v'chulu. Rabbi Eliezer ben Azari says no, it's as if he uh, diminishes the tadmus, and ben Azari says both v'chulu because we've already seen v'omru loy leben Azari yesh no dorish, and then they criticized ben Azari that you're. Uh, you walk, uh, walk the talk. You're telling us about the importance and the significance of Pruravu. Then what about you? And as we know, his response is, I can't, I just desire my, my heart with Torah. Okay, Tonura Ponon. Uvenucha Yomar. It says, when it rested, when the Aaron rested, Yomar, he would say, Shuvah Hashem, Rava voice, Alpha Yisrael. Hashem returned to the thousands, the tens of thousands of thousands of Yisrael. Now, Revovo is 10,000. So, Revovo, as we'll see, is 20,000. Alfei, so Elif is 1,000. The plural, Alfei, would be 2,000. So it says, We see that the Shkhilis teaches us that the Shkhilis doesn't rest unless there are 22,000 Jews. What would happen if uh, there was 22,000 less one? 21,900 and 99, right? No, that's the wrong number. 22, but yeah, there were 22,000 less one. Um, and this person doesn't get involved in Pruravul. Is it not that this person's preventing the Shekhinah from um, settling on B'nai Yisrael? Amazing idea. We see that. Uh, um, yeah, if uh, a certain number is required and a person didn't get involved in Puravu, he can be liable for that number not being there. And here we discuss in 22,000. Um, yeah, oh, don't we say that if there are two people learning the Shrida rests on them, don't we say the Shrida rests on a minion, etc.? So obviously they're different. I don't know what the word would be, different degrees, different aspects of Hashem Shrida. And there's a special aspect of Hashem Shrida that, uh, that rests on 22,000 Jews. So you don't want to be the cause of there being less than, even one less than that number. Um, where do we get this 22,000 from? So the Kli, at the, it's discussed right at the beginning of Sefer Bamidbar, 
when Hashem um, counts the Jews, and the Kliyakor brings that, we find that at Matan Torah, it says Hashem's heavenly host, he came down with 22,000 chariots of the heavenly host. So to correspond to that, you need to have to that uh, aspect of divine revelation, divine of the Shina, you need 22,000. You know, he also says, we find, I think, that there were, if I remember correctly, that there were 22,000 Levim, and that's Machane Shina. So for the Shina to rest in the camp, that's another place where you find 22,000. And uh, Torah Tamima says, very he ties it into judgment. He says, you need 22 judges, obviously, you need 23 for an odd number, but you need 22,000. You need 22 judges for a base that can put people to death for a for a for a Sanhedrin, and we know the Pasuk Mishnah says Elef Motsasi. I only find one in a thousand. I have a famous Rosha there. One of the thousand Jews born. I'm just going to try and remember the numbers, but we say along the lines of 100 will go on to school, 10 will manage to go into yeshiva. And out of the ten, one will become a god or a person fit to serve on the Sanhedrin. So you need 22,000 Jews to be able to come with the Sanhedrin, which, again, another aspect of Hashem Shechina. Okay, so that's just interesting why the number 22,000. But either way, we see that any lacking in Bnei Israel could those who were not Oisai, but Periavira, could be held accountable. Abba Hanan Omar, Abba Hanan says, Mishum Rebbe Yelezer. In the name of Rabbi Eliezer, Chayav um, Misa, a person who does not get involved in Puriviri is Chayav Misa. Shinema is the Pasuk says, Uvarim Holo Yoloho Yolohem. Nor and Avihu did not have sons. The Pasuk speaks about, remember, Nor and Avihu were the sons of Aaron who did that strange act, a strange fight, it says Zar in the inauguration of the temple, and they died. And the Pasuk mentions, Uvarim Loho Yolohem, they did not have sons. So he's saying, implying, if they did have sons, they would not have died. You know, just to, um, it ties embedded, you see the whole pasuk, it says, And they didn't have sons. I almost imply that, again, it says, that's we learn as the primary reason, whatever Zara means, that's the whole lot of Joshua, is what they did wrong. But it does imply that if they didn't have, if they did have sons, they would not have died. It causes the Shechina to depart from Israel. To be a God for you and your descendants after you. The Shechina rests on Bnei Israel when they are descendants. What, if they know Jews, who's the Shechina going to rest on? The sticks and stones. No, it needs, it needs Jews to rest on, and that's why you cause the Shechina to depart. There's less place, less people for the Shechina to rest on. Okay, let's go on to the next Mishnah to do, okay, with this mitzvah, continuing to the next stage of this mitzvah, discussion on the mitzvah of Pruravu. If a man is married to a woman for 10 years, and he does not have children, she does not have children, he's not allowed to cancel the mitzvah of Pruravu. Rashi says, so either he has to divorce her and marry someone else, or marry an, an, a second wife. So he has to do something about it so that he can fulfill the mitzvah of Pruravu. Um, just a few interesting questions that come up on this. Um, one is, um, our mission is 
uh, specifically regarding someone who has not fulfilled the mitzvah of Pruravu, implying that if he has fulfilled the mitzvah of Pruravu, granted we learned yesterday's duck that he should have, someone should have as many children as they can, seems that would not be sufficient grounds to divorce his wife. I.e., if he doesn't want to, he doesn't have to. He can remain with his wife and not remarry as long as he's fulfilled the mitzvah of Pruravu. Um, and what does it mean he can marry a second wife? Like, what's the novelty? He must either divorce her or marry a second wife. Isn't that, like, pretty straightforward? So... Well, so, so generally, it, I think you have to have permission from your wife. Or it has to be part of a condition of a marriage that you, can, that you might marry a second wife. So if you marry this woman without that, and then comes 10 years and she hasn't had any children, we're not blaming her, as we'll see in the Gemara. We're not saying it's her fault, but and she hasn't had any children, then you can divorce her. Um, then, then you can marry a second wife without her, without her permission. Um, and one interesting question, what happens if you've had one child with her? Let's say you've had only girls or only boys. As you've seen, the mitzvah is, um, the mitzvah is to have a boy and a girl. That's how we pass in according to Baisila. So what happens if you've had uh, ten girls, had five sons? Actually, no, two families have only five sons. So what, can you divorce your wife? Or even if you've had just one child, and you haven't had, managed to have a second child, so it seems that would not be grounds to divorce. It seems you need the dual aspect of no Sheves, no inhabiting the world. Remember we said there was that possible. Sheves, something like that. I did not create the world to be empty. I created it to be inhabited, settled. And there's also the mitzvah of Pruravu. So you need, seems you need that double aspect of no children to have rights to just divorce her. And then a very interesting question, just in light of our society, um, or, yeah, or since Takonos Ramon Gershon, that you're only allowed one wife, what happens if you've been living with this woman for 10 years, you love her, you don't want to get married, and so you want to marry a second wife, but Ramon Gershon came along and said you're only allowed to have one wife. So amongst the, the I mean it's a machlokes rishonim, but amongst them the Ritva says Rabbeinu Gershom didn't say his gazari in such a case. Rabbeinu Gershom only said his gazari in the normal, normal uh, cycle, in the normal turn of events. Don't marry. You must be monogamous. You're not allowed to marry two women. But in this case, like where you've been married for ten years and you don't have a children. There you can marry a second wife, according to Rabbeinu Gershon. Similarly, remember we had this discussion by Yibo. If you're already married to a woman and your brother's wife falls to you in Yibo, do you say, oh, Takonis Rabbeinu Gershon, you can't have two wives? No, there it's a mitzvah there. Rabbeinu Gershon did not make his gazeri in that case. But interestingly enough, it seems to generally be the Spardim who say, we can go lenient with Rabbeinu The Spardim went under Rabbeinu Gershom. Subsequently, I think a vast majority of communities have, have accepted at least some form of the Takana of Rabbeinu Gershom. Um, but initially it was only on, uh, Rabbeinu Gershom was the leader of Ashkenazi Jewry, and when he made his ban on polygamy, it was accepted by the Ashkenazim. But obviously, as I said, it was very influential, and the Spiritim also discussed it. It seems to be the Spiritim rabbis who go more lenient and say, in case A, case B, case C, these are times when even Rabbi Negation would agree you can have two wives. The Ashkenazim come along and say, no, he wasn't lenient in those cases. Uh, but that's, okay, that's a further discussion, obviously, uh, very interesting and, and important <coughs> to the, um, see how it fits in with Takonish Rabbi Negation. There's another aspect to Rabbi Negation that's not generally discussed. And that is that a man's not allowed to divorce his wife without her permission. Again, without uh, Doraisa, divorce is totally up to the man. He can choose whether to remain married, he can 
keep her, keep her chained, or he can uh, divorce her against her will. Rabbeinu Gershom created this flip side of the Xerah that he's not allowed to marry more than one wife. He's also not allowed to divorce the wife against her will. So they say here it's based in that would force them to get divorced. So it's not him going against her will. Okay, carry on. Gersha, if he divorced her, Muterasli, she's allowed to marry another man. And we don't say it's her fault that they didn't have children. And therefore, even though she was married to this man for 10 years and didn't have children, we let her marry someone else. And even the second one can remain with her for 10 years. Um, this is going back on the original case. If in, the, in those 10 years she miscarried, you count you start again the count of 10 years from when she miscarried. Because we see she can fall pregnant from him. I remember last time we did this, I was discussing, there's actually a disease, uh, I think it's very rare, I don't know if it's a, I think it's a, it might be a genetic order, but sometimes the, I don't know how, I don't know exactly who said it, like what to say, but the woman's allergic to the man's uh, sperm. Semen. I don't know, I don't remember the exact uh, details. But therefore, if she's married to one man for 10 years, they're never going to be able to have children. But straight on, if she, if she marries someone else, she'll be able to have children. And straightforward, that's, I mean, but you will see more of that in the Gemara. This is a Bryce that elaborates on this mission. So a man was uh, married to a woman for 10 years and she didn't have give birth to children, he must have, he must divorce her, but he must also give her ksuva. Because maybe he wasn't the one who merited to um, have children from her. Um, I so uh, oh but here it seems to push divorce. Rashi gave an option either marry a second wife or get divorced. Why does this Gamora seem to push divorce? So one of the reasons given is because <coughs> if he is married, he's going to be slapped. He's like, look, I've got a wife in his mind. He's got a wife. And yes, I'm looking for a second wife. But if they make him divorce her, he's going to be much quicker to find a second wife. So that's why this, uh, this Bryce would push, um, push to get divorced. Important to realize, based in for many, I think it's, well, I'm trying to remember the earliest opinion I saw this in, but I've forgotten. Um, but already since the Rishonim, as far as I remember, have not, have not forced us for various reasons. They come up with leniencies, why? And they would not force a couple who are in love and hap- happily married just because they haven't had a child after 10 years to divorce. And that's why uh, we don't really hear of that in our society. I'm sure you know many couples, many great, great rabbis who have been married with their wives for many, many, many years and they haven't had children. Pardon? Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, there could be other reasons why a man will see over the, um, along this, the Gomorrah, why they would not get divorced. But again, it, um, even where the halacha seems to be that they should get divorced, based in, uh, for quite a long time, have not uh, forced this halacha. Even though there's no clear proof, there's a hint to it. It says, Ten years after Avram settled in, uh, Eretz Canaan, that's when Sarah gave Hagar to Avram. I hadn't had children for 10 years in Mitzrayim, and then he, she gave him to um, think. We can also, we see that dwelling in Chutzlaret doesn't come for the minion. Avram lived for many years with Sarah, much more than 10 years with Sarah in Padanaram. But only we say he, Sarah gave him Hagar 10 years after moving to Eretz Yisrael. This is also very interesting. This in, do we say that this halacha does not apply at all in Chutz 
or if you live in Chutharis and move to Eretz Israel, you can now start counting again. The Rosh has many issues on, on the approach, saying that it's, it only applies in Eretz Israel. Um, one of that I found more interesting is that uh, um, that like. We know there are many people in Eretz Yisrael that don't have children. I have all the reasons and all the uh, spiritual reasons and all the physical reasons why a person doesn't have children. How often is it going to be because they were in Chutzlaretz, they didn't have the merit of Eretz Yisrael and they were in Chutzlaretz and Eretz Yisrael. So, I mean, that's, I think, quite a strong question on this Jimmy uh, chair. But that is the halakha. If a couple of the seven years move to Eretz Yisrael, then you start the count again. And once we see that it's dependent on is there a reason why they didn't have children? Therefore, if he was sick or she was sick, or they were in prison. They were, you can say, either say that they never ever were intimate together because, or for a long period they weren't intimate together because one of them was in jail or because um, they, were in, um, they were sickly. Or you can say the opposite. You can say that even if they were intimate, but there were these external stresses and pressures, they don't count as part of the 10 years. Why don't we learn from Yitzchak? Yitzchak was 40 when he married Rivka. Yitzchak was 60 years when he had his sons. So maybe you wait 20 years, not 10 years, as we learned from Yitzhak. Yitzhak was, he was 10 when, he was 40, and then he was 60 when he had his, he was 40 when he got married, and 60 when he had children, so Amalei Yitzhak Akur No, Yitzhak was barren. I, he knew he couldn't have children, so there was no point in him remarrying. He was sterile, there was no point in him marrying anyone else. It says, oh, we say that Avram was also um, sterile. So, what was the? So, how can we learn from Avram? He says, No. The the pasuk by Yitzchak we need for another drasha. So, therefore, we have an excuse what's telling us Yitzchak age. But why did it bother telling us that after ten years Avram married Hagar? There's no other reason besides to teach the halacha. Why does it tell us the age of Yishmael? To connect it to the years of Yaakov. So we need to know the age of Yitzchak and the age of Yishmael. And that's all to work out the life of Yaakov. And that's to teach us the amazing drosha that time spent in learning Torah does not count as taking away from Kibbutz Abba'im. We know that Yaakov was punished for being away from his parents for extra long. The same amount of time that Yosef was away from him, that he thought Yosef was dead, and that you, to do that whole calculation, you need to know how old Yishmael was, and you need to know how old Yitzhak was, etc. So we need to know, that's why we need to know all these ages, not to teach us how long someone must remain with their wife before divorcing her, before marrying a second wife, but for Yaakov, I mean, interesting, that's, um, I think there are two facets to that. One is that we see Yaakov wasn't punished for um, the years he was away from his parents, and the second aspect is Yaakov, his father told him, his mother told him, go get married. And what did he say? Okay, mom. And he goes off and he stops in yeshiva for 14 years. Isn't that the lack of kibbutz aim? That your mom says, uh, go get, uh, go, please go shopping for me. And you stop off for, you say, okay, mom, I'll go shopping. And you come back uh, three years later saying, sorry, I just went, uh, went to yeshiva for a few years. That's a, that seems to be a, um, but uh, I mean, I guess that's a cash on the question, but either way, um, 
we see that he wasn't held accountable for not listening to his parents and going to get married. You could say he realized that, just to answer my question, well, how can you ever delay what your parent tells you? Say, sorry, mama, couldn't go shopping. I, I, I went shopping. Here's your groceries that you ordered a few years ago. I just stopped by in your shiva. Um, so there, I think you could answer is that the learning Torah is necessary for the marriage. It makes him a better person, makes him a refined person, makes him the person into who he needs to be, and then he could get married. So it wasn't necessarily detracting from that aspect of kibbutz of aim, but either way, then at least the years that he was away from Lavan, that he was at Lavan for too long, he's held accountable for being away from his parents. Okay, Amr Yitzchak, Yitzchak Avinu Akurhoi. We said that Rabbi Yitzchak said that Yitzchak father was Akurhoi. Shneimah says, "Vayater Yitzchak lola noachach ishto." Yitzchak Yatar here is the language for davened. Here it says, corresponding to his wife. It doesn't say daven for his wife, but corresponding to his wife. Malam and Sheshneim Akurim teaches that they were both barren. It shouldn't say that Hashem basically answered, was daven for him. It should have been that he, davened, that he was daven for them. No, Lefisha ain't doime tfilas. Tzadik ben Tzadik letfilas Rasha ben ben Rasha Tzadik ben Rasha. You can't compare the tefillah of a righteous person, the son of a righteous person, to the tefillah of a Tzadik, the son of an evil person. I so it was really Hashem answered this tefillah because of Yitzchak. By Yetar law, not lohem, because remember Rivka's father was Basuel. Very, a very evil person, said his tefillah. Interesting enough, they discuss, so this that you want to get a person who's righteous, the son of a righteous person, is that by all davening or specifically for children? Makes sense for children because they have a good track record, that family. You know, um, a tzaddik ben tzaddik. But maybe when the community's undergoing calamities and you want to appoint a shriach tzibur, maybe there you should specifically choose someone who's done tshuva because that's his field of expertise. He's Changed from evil to righteous, but okay. So, but that's a side discussion. In general, should you try get uh, as your shliach tibur at tzadik ben tzadik? Akurim. Why were they barren? Because Hashem desires the tefillahs of the tzadikim. Why do we compare the tefillahs of the tzadikim to a Atar to a pitchfork, because it says by Yatar Yitzchak. As I said, Yatar is a language for tefillah. Find there are many different languages of tefillah, and they have different connotations of the type of tefillah. I mean, some of the obvious differences are there's praise to Hashem, and then there's asking Hashem for things, like we do in the Amidah. But here, there are even the more subtle types of davening and asking for things, and one of them by Yatar, but it's, called, it's like a pitchfork. So it says, It says, No, just as this pitchfork turns the grain from this side to that side, so to the tefillahs of, of Tzadikim, Turn Hashem's midos from uh, anger to mercy. So that's the correspondence of uh, the tefillah being a pitchfork. Omar Rabbi Ami, Avram and Sarah tumtum Not only were Avram and Sarah barren, they were actually tumtum. They didn't. It seems they didn't. Either their, their sexual organs were blocked up. Shneimar says he did to El Tzur. He did to. So you watch. Just. Hebitu el tsur chutzavtem ve'el makeves bor nukartem. I Hashem had to hew out the rock and make a hole in the bor. 
um, I look back to Avram and Sarah who bore you. Um, so this pasuk implies that um, their organs were formed anew. She was an islandist. Says so Sarah was barren and she did not have a child. That's extra. She says no. I feel She didn't even have a womb. And she was very. Uh, she, she was missing her sexual organs. Now the Maral explains quite beautifully what's the significance of. Uh, he's got a long write-up on this, but. And just two, uh, one point, one, one of the explanations, he says, because Hashem wanted to start B'nai Israel. And he didn't want to start as a follow-on from like the, I guess the genetic process, the natural process from Sheshishim He wanted B'nai Israel to be a new start. So he formed Avram and Sarah's reproductive organs himself anew, so that B'nai Israel that would be born from them would be a new start. Um, I think this is a higher level of what we were saying by the other Avos and other Tzadikim who are just barren because even there it shows a, a connection to Hashem. When Hashem says, I'm not giving you children until you daven to me, he's, there's a huge connection between those, well, that family, those children and Hashem. So with all the Avos and Tzadikim, there's that affinity between them and Hashem. I, there is a result of Hashem um, actively getting, I don't know if we can use the word, but if we can use the word actively getting involved as opposed to passively letting nature run its course of event, its course, um, this is even a higher level that he actually had to form their uh, reproductive organs. And that again, to start B'nai Israel anew with, uh, directly from Hashem. This that we said you have to wait 10 years is only in the earlier generation that lived long years. Like we know the Avos lived uh, 175 years, etc. But nowadays that people live much shorter. Two and a half years corresponding to Three pregnancies. Rabba Omarav Nachman Shaloshanim Kenegat Shalosh Pekidos. No, it's uh, three years corresponding to the three remembrances. There's a special connection between Rosh Hashanah that I will see now that Hashem remembers barren people and gives them children. So you've got to wait three years for that. Three Rosh Hashanahs. Mar says Sarah On Rosh Hashanah, Sarah, Rachel, and Chana were all barren. Were remembered by Hashem and granted. Um, to have children. But Rabbi said, we don't pass like these halachas. Who set the Mishnah? Rebbe. We know it was Rebbe. But already in the time of David, the years of people had dropped. Then the life of man is, or the years of man is 70 years. So already from David was 70 years, Rebbe set the Mishnah and he was the one who said, after 10 years, so you see, Rebbe is clearly passing that it's 10 years, and we're not saying that 10 years of a current person's life, not, um, not the long life. It's interesting because it makes a lot of sense to say that if a person is only living 70 years and he waits 10 years, and she waits 10 years, that would be one of the key factors um, that the older a person gets and the later on in their life, the less chance there is. So he says, And then he says, Ah, oh, but it says maybe he didn't merit to build from her, but Dilma, Ihi Bela Zakhia, Ihi, 
Maybe it's she who did not merit to build the house from him. Why does it say he didn't merit? It says, no, Kivan de la Mitzvah, Since she's not commandment, it wouldn't be her punishment. Uh, if we're looking at one person, okay, I don't know if it's the right word, but to blame in the marriage, it would be the man's fault because it's his mitzvah, and therefore if it's not happening, it's because of him. Obviously, both parents suffer, and both parents feel it, and both parents uh, struggle when there's infertility in the marriage, but there's an added factor that the man's commanded on the mitzvah and he's not fulfilling his mitzvah. Ini, is it true that if he did not have children after 10 years, he must remarry? They told Rav, Rabbi Abba you know, you should get married so you can have children. He says, no, if I would have merited, I would have already had from my first wife. So we see that it doesn't seem like you have to remarry. He's just brushing them off because he was sterile from the shirim of Rav Huna. As we mentioned yesterday, and we're going to see it a few times, I'll just mention now, Rav Huna gave very, very long shirim. The Gemara holds if you hold in from going to the bathroom, it can make a person sterile, it damages their organs. And that they can't have children, and therefore all the Talmudim who are too afraid to walk out in the middle of Rav Huna's shir and go to the bathroom became sterile. Rav Gidel All these sages became um, sterile from the shirim of Rav Huna. He got afflicted by this disease, Suchtasinta. The starting, he was he's one one step away from becoming barren from the from uh, sterile from the shirim. And Tluya Ba'arza the Bayrav Benofik Minei Kohitzi Yarka. And they hung him up from the beams in the yeshiva, and this uh, green light substance came out from him, and therefore he was cured from becoming sterile. So it seems he knew how to prevent becoming sterile, uh, sterile even though he was in these very, very long shirim. So Omar of Achabar Yaakov, He said that there were 60 elders, and we all became barren except for me. The Kaima ben Afshai, because I was careful with myself, Chochmah gives life to its, those who hold it. I, I knew this cure. I knew to hang myself and get this, uh, cure this disease and then I would be fine. Okay, then the Mishnah says, Girshim if he divorces her, she's allowed to go get remarried. This implies, Shani in Shlishi It implies that she could get married to a second husband, but not a third husband. Let's say she was married to one man for 10 years and she didn't have children. Then she's still allowed to go marry another man. We don't say it's her fault. If she's married to a second husband for 10 years, we say she can't marry a third husband. Or at least a third husband who needs children. Who's the author of Mishnah? Rebbe, he, that's Rebbe. The Tanya, Mila Harishon Umeis, Mona Harishon Umeis, Shani Umeis, Shlishi Loitomil, Divrei Rebbe. Rebbe says if a family does Mila to the one side, and he dies. And then they do Mila to a second son and he dies. Rebbe says they do not do Mila on the third son. Says, no, even on the third son you do Mila, but the fourth son you don't do Mila. This is a machlokes that crosses Shas. We'll see at the bottom of the Daf. I don't know if we'll get there today, but at least tomorrow. Um, that what establishes the Chazoka? What establishes the presumption? So is it just two and therefore... Oh, two sons died, or she's been married to two husbands and hasn't had children, so we can establish that and not go in for the third. But we say it takes three to establish the chazaka. 
says, Vahotanya Ifchab, we have a brisa that teaches the opposite. So he says, Nahaymi Naim, who Achris Achrinisa, which is the later and the more authoritative Mishnah. So Tani Rabbonon, Toshmak, sorry, Toshmak, coming here to Amr Rabbi Chia, Bar Abba, Amr Rabbi Yochanan, Masab Abba Achrius. So we see Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan is very authoritative because he learned under Rabbi, but he was an Amora. He's generally classified as an Amora. So he says, Masab Arba Achrius, Bitsipari, Shemolari, Shaino Umais, Shneo Umais, Shlishis Umais. There was a case with sister, four sisters in Sipoiri. And they did Mila to the first, and the child died. They did Mila on the second one's child, and he died. They did Mila on the third one's child, on the third sister's child. And they said, And they came and asked, Should we do Mila to this fourth sister's child? And he said, Don't do Mila. But they only went and asked him the question after the third son. Maybe if they went and asked him the question after the second son, he would have said the same thing. He says, no, well, then what's the point of Rabbi Abba's story? The point of his story must be that it was only after three sons died did Rabbi Shimon Gamliel say that um, don't do the Mila on the fourth one. Maybe the Chirush is not to do with how many sons. It's not to do with the Chazaka, but it's to do with that even sisters add to this Chazaka. You don't say, well, they two sisters and their children died from Miller, nothing to do with each other. We say that no, it's two sisters, we add them together. And then again, according to Rabshim Daniel, you'd add a third, you'd need to add a, a third child dying from Mila, but according to Rebbe, already once you have two children dying. So again, the Chirush is, and which is very interesting because he, um, one of the diseases that it seems to be discussing, and you'll see this even clearer further down the page, is hemophiliac. That's where the blood doesn't clot. And interestingly, that genetic disorder is passed down from the mother to her sons. So there's a very good chance if one sister is a carrier of hemophilia. It's not definitely going to be passed to the sons, but it could. I don't remember the stats of if the mother's a carrier. It doesn't necessarily seem to affect the mother or a woman, but at least this sort of hemophilia. But it's passed on to the sons. So if one mother had it, it's a good chance she'll pass it to her son. And so to her sisters probably also have that genetic disorder, and they'll pass it to her son. So it's quite amazing that the Gomorrah seemed to recognize that this was a... I mean, obviously to them it wasn't a genetic disorder, but it was something that was carried by the mother and passed on to her son. Well, now that we've seen that um, sisters can form a chazoka one across the other, a person should marry into a family of epileptics and he shouldn't marry into a family of those who suffer leprosy. And this is obviously where it's affected that family three times. I my havialo. So we see from this Gemara, I don't know if it's uh, brought in the discussions or not, but we see here that uh, you should be careful who you marry and that's responsible would be to take do the genetic testing that they encourage, especially amongst Ashkenazi Jews before they get married. My Hajjal, what's Salacha? Who is it two like Rebbe or three like Rebbe Shimon Gamliel? What establishes the Chazaka? So Kiyas Rebbe Yitzchak by Yosef, Omar Ubda Havik Hamid Rebbe Yochanan, Beknishta de Ma'an, Biyamaki Purim Shecholios Beshabbos. There was an incident that came before Rebbe Yochanan in the base Knesset of Ma'an on Yom Kippurim, which was Shabbos. Umalari Shoina, they did Mila to her first son and he died. Umais, Umalari Shoina Umais. Shani Umais, Shlishis Baal, Afan of Omar Law, 
and he went and he told them, go and do Mila. So he was very clear, he clearly held that it takes three. Um, he also permits Isur, because if you're not allowed to do Mila, then you're breaking Shabbos Yom Kippur, because it's causing an injury. And he also permitted Sakanti. He said we, 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 he's not concerned. Abaya relied on Rabbi Yosemite to say that it is three times. And he went and he married um, He went and married Chuma and the Nosba Rochba the Pumpadis of Ashachiv. Rabbi Yitzhak Braid, Rabbi and she had already been married to Rachva of Pumpadissa, and he died. And she also had been married to Yitzhak Braid, Rabbi and he had died. So Abayah still went, and he married her. And actually, he also died before her. Would Abayah really have married her? Abayah says that the, when you go looking at the teachings of Rabbi Yochanan, you can rely on Avin, but you can't rely on Yitzchak Sumka. And this was Yitzchak Sumka who told us that Rabbi Yochanan says it takes three and then don't do it on the fourth. So Abayah is not likely to have relied on what Rabbi Yitzchak said, especially to put his life in danger. Again, the concern here that she was a Katlanis, a woman whose husband's died, and she'd been married to two husbands who had both died. So Abai would never take the chance with Rav Yitzhak Yosef, who he says is unreliable. And then he just says, why? Avin constantly did Chazara. He was always reviewing. So you could rely on his teachings that he was quoting in the name of um, Rabbi Yochanan, but Yitzhak Sumka didn't. Another opinion is not, he did. He reviewed his studies, but he constantly went to Rabbi Yochanan's shirim. So he would always hear, if Rabbi Yochanan revised his opinion, he would have heard Rabbi Yochanan's retraction and re-saying his opinion, whereas Rabbi Yitzchak um, Sumko did not often go to Rabbi Yochanan's shirim. So if he heard something in Rabbi Yochanan's shirim one day, it might have been retracted by the next day. Further, we see that Rabbi Shimon Gamliel and Rabbi argue regarding Mila. But who says that they're regarding getting that they argue regarding marriage. There's no in. They do argue for hard tanya, as we learned in Abraham. Said nisas lerishon omeis, nisas l'sheni om, Indian kiddushin yom, nisas lerishon omeis, l'sheni omeis, l'shlishi loy tinase. Divrei Rebbe, Rebbe Shimon Gamliel, Omer l'shlishi tinase and l'revi loy tinase. If a person marries a woman and then he dies, and a second person marries that woman and then he dies, Rebbe says the third, no one should, a third man should not marry her. And Rabbi Shimon Gamliel says a third man can marry her, and if he dies, a fourth man should not marry her. Okay, so what do we see from here? That, again, it's across the board. There's this Machloikes, Rabbi Shimon Gamliel, who says that it takes three times, and Rabbi who says that it takes two times. Um, so now I'm thinking this is Yeah. Pardon? No. Um, that husband has done, that they've done. Yeah, seems like that's how. If if you pass it like Rebbe, yeah. Uh, we'll see further down the page if I remember correctly. It makes sense by Miller. Why you would say after two times or three times, don't do Miller on the following. If two children have already died from Miller, don't go to the third son. Why? Because there's a concern that there's some families whose blood is very thin, 
uh, what we would generally call hemophilia, and there's some families whose blood does clot. Ellen, he's suing my time, but what's the concern of marriage? What would have caused the marriage? Oh, so, I mean, here, um, there's a question here, are we concerned that the subsequent husband will die, like the, her first two husbands, or are we going back on our original discussion that if she didn't have children for 10 years, by two husbands, what a, should she, would the third husband also have, should he be concerned? So, he says it's her, um, her wound, her womb uh, that would cause it. I, it's through, um, through intercourse that would cause her not to have children or cause the husband to die. I think it's easier to learn that's cause the husband to die. Ravashi Omar Mazel Gorim Ravashi says, no, it's just their luck, her luck. I, the luck of that woman is anyone who marries her dies. But as Haivi understand, Mazel says, my Benayu, what's the difference whether it's the Mayan that causes it I, whether it's, or whether it's the Mazel that causes it? At the end of the day, you have a woman who we see has this issue and someone and a third person shouldn't marry her. Or a contrary or a fourth person, a contrary Shimon Kamil. So Moran says, no Ikebay, now you are so massive. Someone did a rusin to her and he died. I if one of her husbands did a rusin and died, it's clearly not from Maya, it's clearly not from intercourse. But if you say it's because of Mazel, well then if someone did a rusin and died, a third person shouldn't go and marry her. Or Inabi the Nofal if a husband fell and died. I, he was married to this woman and he died from another strange death. He died from uh, falling out of a tree. But again, if you say it's because Mayan Garma it's intercourse with her that causes a death, well then that's not a reason to count him as one of her husbands that died to say that you shouldn't marry her. But if it's because of muzzle, well then it could be. Um, okay, and I think we'll leave the halacha for tomorrow. The Gemara will discuss that a lot tomorrow.